the first thing is, I always remembered a quote that was given by our first quarter teacher and it resonated really well with me. And it was, don't be pushed by your problems, but rather led by your dreams. And I really sat and thought about when I opened the practice of my dreams, who do I wanna see? And who I wanted to see led me to where I was gonna market and how I was going to market. Hi, I'm Dr. Kimba Sutton, and welcome to the Chiropractor's A-Game, Let's Get Crackin'. This podcast is all about helping chiropractors and other functional healthcare professionals to grow in mind, body, and business. This is where I'm gonna be sharing my 35 years of experience, tips and strategies, as well as speaking to some of the leaders in our industry so that you have all that you need to not just survive, but thrive. And welcome to the Chiropractor's A-Game. Let's get cracking. Today, I am like so honored. I have the most amazing rock star of a doctor, Dr. Sherry McAllister. Let me just tell you what, this woman, I am not worthy. She is amazing. Right now, she's a president of the Foundation for Chiropractic Progress, and she hosts her own podcast called Adjusted Reality which I've listened to many times. She also just recently took a position with the ISAW International, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit today. So Sherry, welcome. It's wonderful to be with you. Thank you for such a beautiful intro. It was a little blonde because there is so much more to you. Can you just give us a little bit more about your background in chiropractic? I actually started out in the good old days in college looking at my goal trying to be working with pediatric patients that unfortunately had the diagnosis of cancer. And I never really saw myself in chiropractic. So the beauty of me coming into this is through misfortune. And there's always something to be learned about the past. And I look back now and I think what an awesome event that took place in my life, which was a pretty significant car accident to bring me to this place of really understanding health and healing. So all those chiropractors out there, thank you for what you do and why you do it. And hopefully you have the passion turned on like I do, because I can't imagine where my life would be right now if it wasn't for that amazing Dr. Aries. And I tried to look him up. I still haven't found him, but he has changed my life. In 27 years now, I've been working in the chiropractic profession in a variety of different roles, whether it be an associate professor at Palmer West, being on the Campbell SWAT team, or literally just working with the chief executive officers in Silicon Valley, trying to figure out how to optimize care in an environment where 30 seconds is too long. So very blessed to be here. And my mission was try to increase the utilization of chiropractic in any way, shape or form, and then have fun doing it. And that's why I'm on the chiropractor's A game because I'm having fun. And Dr. Kim, I have to give you a major shout out because Chirothon has had magnificent impact in the world. And in so doing, I get to announce on this very podcast, the very first, because we just learned yesterday that the foundation won a gold award in the marketing and communications. It's called the Marcom Award. It's an international outreach and you were part of it. And to be in that role is magnificent. So thank you. Oh, thank you. That was an amazing conversation. The interview was fantastic. I almost learned more about myself than you than I already knew because you knew it. And secondly, just the conversation that we had, female to female, I don't want to say 
power superstars. That's not what I mean, but we have a voice that a lot of docs don't have. And I think what you said about having the experience of having an injury and finding chiropractic. I mean, I remember my first day in chiropractic school, we all had to stand up, all 175 of us, and say why we were at chiropractic school. You know, 75% was like, I had an injury and a chiropractor helped me and that's what I want to do now. So I think that's really a cool pre-story of how you got into chiropractic. Now, are you still in practice? Yes. So not full-time. Unfortunately, when pandemic hit, we had to completely usurp our marketing program because we were going to head into the Olympics and then the Olympics got put on hold. We had to come up with a full one-year marketing strategy, which led to the impossibilities of trying to contain a full-time practice. So I'm still practicing with the patients that still love me that I know they can call me on a whip stitch and I can jump in, but certainly not at the level that I was previously. The chiropractors out there today. So here's a couple of things that I see. And I've been like the Mikey, the life commercial Mikey that eats the cereal because Mikey, if he likes it, then anybody likes it. So I've tried everything with my practice to really see what works, what doesn't work. And I'm always still developing and redeveloping and reworking things. And the things I see in my docs that reach out to me or the docs I just see in the community is one, they're not taking care of themselves. Um, So they are worrying about money. They're worrying about student loans. They're worrying about not getting enough patients in. They're not seeing their families. They're having to work so many hours. Their elbows hurt, the arms hurt, necks hurt, the backs hurt. And then they have to run a business. And it's like, that's a lot to juggle. And most patients have no idea that's what we go through. Tell me about in your practice how, before you got to be this rock star on the outside world, tell me about like how you kind of got it started and what you saw you needed to do to really make it or break it. Going deep into the first thing is, I always remembered a quote that was given by our first quarter teacher, and it resonated really well with me. And it was, don't be pushed by your problems, but rather led by your dreams. And I really sat and thought about, when I open the practice of my dreams, who do I want to see? And who I wanted to see led me to where I was going to market and how I was going to market. And that became one of my instruments of fun. So what I like doing, I just brought it with me wherever I went. So I was fully prepared to be able to get them into my office. As soon as I met them, when they said, I'd like to try chiropractic, the next question is, when would you like to come in? I got Monday at two o'clock and Thursday at four. That, so the preparation part comes from really dreaming about what it is that you want. And the second part, there's a famous really smart Canadian. His name is Bob Proctor. And one of his laws was the law of abundance. So I always wanted to create an atmosphere for me that I always had so much of what I wanted that I could have fun doing whatever I needed. And that led me to whenever I wasn't busy, meaning that my clinic is not packed. I don't know what's going on. Don't worry. This is the time that has been given to you. It's a gift so that you can prepare when you're really busy. So it's protocols, procedures, updating your marketing, looking at your practice as a patient walking in. Is the door handle filthy? Is the chair not quite sturdy enough? Are the posters up to date? And those kind of things that I like to use this word, it's consistent persistence. And because you can do something, try it, didn't work. You may try it three months later and then you say, well, it just doesn't work. 
But the reality is, did it not work because you just didn't give it your A game? Or did it not work because it's not right for you? Or did you come in half-hearted? And I think those were some of the things that really built my practice. And the one thing I look back on and think about when I was in like the Mecca of, can I see this many patients? I love them. Can I give them the care and quality of care that they need and deserve? I look back on it and thought I underutilized my staff. I thought it was all about what I did. But really, when you think about your practice, I recognize now more than ever is your staff is the gem. It's being able to accurately assist them. You are preaching my song, I must say. That's exactly what I say. I look at it the same way. Consistency, the, it's the message. My staff, they're my golden team. And when they are doing their thing, it's like everything is magic. And so I think paying my staff well to make sure that they're taken care of. I take my staff through. They go through an exam and an adjustment. They need to know why that, no that table's making that noise in the other room. When I do functional medicine, I mean, I bring them in, I do a whole workup on them so they can see the process. And for me, that's super important for not only the staff to see, but that way when the patients come in, they can explain what's going on. But that consistent message is so key and staff is golden. I have docs that try to do things without staff and it's a challenge. You can't answer the phone, take money, just the patient. You can't do, you can. But I think to be effective, you really have to be the best you are at what you do. Totally agree. And the one thing that I would say after, I used to run the preceptorship program at Palmer West and I got to visit probably three, 400 practices to see how they were doing and decide whether or not they were an appropriate fit for a preceptorship or a student or a newly licensed doctor, because we want to make sure that we put our new licensees in a place that is really fertilized well and has all the right opportunities. And what I noticed was, unless you're fully desiring a low-key practice, you should not be alone because it creates a lot of unnecessary anxiety from trying to answer the phone when you're treating a patient to limiting the ability to how many patients you can see without compromising the care. So that was one of the big issues. You're exactly right. And the preceptors that I get in from the area colleges, the thing that I see that I think is missing is that how to do a range of motion exam, a neurological exam, read x-rays, but they don't know how to take that and put it together and put it to a package. And I think that's where doing a preceptor chef with a doctor can do that is just really super important because I see a lot of them come out of school. Number one, they can't adjust. It's what we do is adjust. And that's always my first test with a preceptor is I have them adjust me. You know, they're scared. And so it's, I think the preceptorship is so important to be able to bring those docs in and really give them an opportunity to see what we do. And I think even now to have a big practice a different way, I never had a huge amount of staff. I wasn't a big PI person, but I have an, I'm a niche kind of doc. And I have patients that want, I want to treat. So I attract what I want to treat and not attract patients who don't want to come in and do what I ask them to do to take care of themselves. I'm sure you saw that in your practice as well. You're absolutely right. And the hardest ones are the ones that get referred in because the patient said, oh my gosh, you got to go see my chiropractor. They don't feel what that patient has experienced. And most of them are spouses. And I'll be honest, exactly. the usually the men, they come in and their arms were crossed and they're like, my wife's me in here and I don't even know why I'm here. That's so funny. I can, I can see my patients sitting with their arms crossed and they're like, 
yeah, I don't belong here. And, but then they end up loving you and, and that's the beauty of that. So did you bring any nutrition in your practice? Absolutely. Nutrition was a critical aspect because when you're leading a top-notch Silicon Valley lifestyle, it is so easy to just minimize the impact that nutrition has in your life because you're so on the go. And what I recognized was after listening to them and knowing that they're traveling here, there, and everywhere, is that nutrition was put as one of those, it's nice to have, but it's not necessary. And we had to flip that script pretty quickly because when you start talking to patients about nutrition and how it impacts their life, the first thing I always go to is, so what happens when you travel and you get sick? How does that feel to be in a hotel room by yourself sick? First thing that hits their hearts, because there's one thing that every single person can relate to is getting sick, especially when it's in a hotel. So yeah. I always bring it back to you're going to be at your best game if you take care of some of the important and necessary pieces. Otherwise, you're going to be down and out and no one wants to be alone, sick in a hotel room. And that nutrition plays that functional role. Absolutely. I find that from, and for our profession, for chiropractic, oh my gosh, we are like the perfect place to input that. You know, we're all about being not symptomatic in our care, being very problematic in our approach. And nutrition is just like a second hand in that. And to me, when I teach my doctors and then when I coach my doctors, I, I say to them, look, it's not ethical for you if you know that this kind of nutrition is going to, number one, help them hold their adjustment give them better response in daily stress, help them sleep better, help their digestive system work better. And you're not telling your patient that ethically, you're incorrect. Yes, I very much agree. I think he said something very poignant on LinkedIn today, which was that exercise is king, nutrition is queen, and that's what builds the kingdom of health. And I loved what you put out there because it puts it in perspective on how important it is to have these matched um, events in our life, because sometimes we will fall off the necessary nutrition and we may not be as fully engaged in our exercise if our life gets turned upside down. But, and it has for many being in COVID, but now it's the time to reflect on the importance of both of them. And you're right. For example, you adjust them and they're taking, and this is a true story for me, very well-known CEO of a Fortune 10 company came to see me and he unfortunately was taking 12 Tylenol a day. Oh my goodness. And not one MD had said anything to him. Wow. And he was drinking three Cokes with it. Oh, my favorite. And someone needed to just say, I'm not intimidated by your wealth. I'm sad for your sickness. At the end of the day, I can lie to you and say your pain's going to go away at, through the adjustment, but the reality is you're shortening your lifespan on a significant level. And you may not have an adverse event today or tomorrow, but that's going to catch up to you. And that honest, ethical willingness to lose a brilliant patient by being very authentic with them, caring about them, the person, that person will bring me 500 new patients was the key to success. Yeah, you hit that nail on the head. Squares can be. Here's the other part of this, though. I mean, I teach a lot of doctors. I'm in front of a lot of doctors teaching nutrition. And when I look out in that audience, I, have, I see the doctors 
that are trying to do the right thing, but they're not taking care of themselves. And it's like, it's just mind boggling. And, and in, in Florida, since we have the space shuttle and all that stuff around the corner here, I always say that our, we have more wiring than the space shuttle or bodies do. But we drive around like a garbage truck. We put crappy food in it, bang it around. Then we get mad when it doesn't work for us. So that same thing has to go for the doctor too. And here's what I also see is I see, I, and it, this just comes back from a point where I was talking to a patient who was overweight. The patient was having some breathing issues. So let's work on some nutrition. Let's lose a little bit of weight because that pressure on your lungs when you lie down is coming from your abdomen. And so we had to talk about that. And then, then the patient said to me, well, I went to my pulmonologist. My pulmonologist told me to lose weight, but she's like morbidly obese. So why would it, why should I lose weight if she's not going to lose weight? And that like just really struck me. Now, I've always made it a real strong mission in my own personal life because I'm an athlete and I've always just done nutrition to really be mindful of that. And so I always try to practice that out to my patients. I mean, my doctors and say, hey, look, if you're not taking care of you, how do you expect patients to listen to what you say? And I know it shouldn't be that way to do as I say and not as I do, but we are in our community. We're the tribe. We're the tribe of leaders. And I think it's really important that we do that. Question would be why, and this is a deep felt, honest commitment to anybody who's struggling out there and listening right now is first and foremost, like many people that I've met along the road of opioid recovery, and it's really difficult in Alaska. We are at the convention and there's only the convention there and there's a heroin needle in the bathroom. Oh my gosh. That's our tribe. So someone is suffering using heroin as a chiropractor in our tribe and they're not able to get the help that they need. They're not willing to get the help that they need or they don't care because they have a mental illness. And that's the influx. I think Dr. Kim is When I look at the why is if you're not giving yourself self-care, ask yourself why. Because the love that you have for your patient has to have the internal processes of the love you have for yourself. And it sounds kind of trite, but I'll give you an example. If, in fact, you go to a convention and you're not feeling well, I have seen a doctor that really just ignored his healthcare concerns. And unfortunately, it was to their demise, even though they're surrounded by healthcare providers. And that's where we need to recognize the value we offer. And the value only goes up when you take care of yourself. And right now we have a medical health crisis. The MDs are burning out on an epic scale, epic, because of the environment that they're placed in. This is the time where we really share our chiropractic philosophy with them and with ourselves is what can we do, even if it's just a small thing, to be better for ourselves and really needing that hug. And sometimes mental health struggles are the hardest because they come with stigma. And I would like to say mental health struggles are no different than straining your ankle. You have to identify what is causing the problem so that you don't continue to repeat it. Maybe it's an abusive relationship, thousand reasons that could be impacting your mental health. Identify and then start to mitigate the problems that are bringing it to a peak for you. And exercise can be a massive force for those that are struggling with mental health issues. And we have a crisis in this nation that has never been seen before on mental health. So I am so glad you bring it up on self-care because 
we can't be aware of our patients' needs until our self-care regimens are really looked at and adopted. And I see that whole process. And that's why I kind of adopted like that mind-body business because I saw the need for that. I talked to my last podcast guest. We talked about mindset and how important that is. And think about us as chiropractic. We're the quacks. We're the this. We're the that. We kind of work ourselves into a corner and then nobody else wants to see another doctor where it's all left on us. And we're put down by the public. So we get this little ego that we're the best we can be and we're afraid to reach out for help. And I think that's where, to me, I think everybody benefits from some type of coaching. I always say the football team, they don't just go running out there. They've got a head coach, special teams coach, and an offensive and defensive coach to coordinate that. And I've always used a coach, not only as an athlete, but as a business person, I've used a coach. So I think that's also helpful because as a coach, when I look at my docs, I'm like, okay, these are the areas that you have really strong in, and these are the things we can work on it and then give them. It's not like we don't know, Sherry. It's not like we don't know, but some like for we just like women, we need permission for to be able to do stuff. Right. It's funny that way, but we're that way. And I see that a lot in my docs. You look back to the people that have come before us because often they're filled with wisdom and goodness and you can learn a lot. And you think about someone who is massively intelligent and it's Albert Einstein. And he often was recorded as looking at it as measure of intelligence. What makes us who we are, the actual impetus for us to create wonderful things is the ability to change. And today may be that change because you're the chiropractor listening to the A game and you recognize that the measure of your intelligence is now the ability to change. And you may do what I had to do last night. I travel crazy and yes, I want to get an adjustment on a regular basis. But what I recognized was I just need a massage, just a relaxation moment. And it's not something I would normally do because I would get an adjustment before I'd go to a massage therapist. But then I recognized I need to figure out what it is that I actually need. What is the change that I need today? And the change was I just needed someone to work on my muscles, the lifting, bending, twisting, pushing, pulling of heavy yep. luggage. And it made a huge difference on how I felt when I woke up in the morning. Yeah, that's, I think that's really key. And I think that we can recognize that's important. And I think just that physical aspect as well is not only doing the own nutrition for yourself. And like I said, you can't tell a patient to do it. If it's not good enough for you, why would it be good enough for them? But also exercise. And I've been really lucky not to have any injuries as a chiropractor from chiropractic. Now, I am an athlete, so I do throw my body through space and hope for the best. So there are times that the best didn't quite happen. But for the most part, still doing something to take care of your body, something to take care of your mind. And I think earlier you referred to how we go to these professionals and if you roll your ankle or have mental health issues, I always tell my docs, don't, you can't be the accountant. I go to an accountant for my accounting. I go to a CPA for my taxes. I go to a banker for my banking. I don't try to do all those things. I don't try to heal myself. I don't adjust myself. It sounds like it should be so basic, but I think as we get, I mean, I've been in practice probably as long as you have. I think you graduated, I graduated in 94. So I've been in practice. Yes. So, so we've been around a long time, but I think we need to, I always have to stop back and say, Hey, what are you doing to take care of you? I'm like the golden child. I have my massage and I have my meditation time and I just got my ear relaxed boots that are compression boots. So I have all this stuff to do and it's just making that work in your schedule. And still practice and still teach and do all the other stuff I do. So I'm sure you're very much the same way. You nailed it, though. I was reading a book on the airplane, which is where I try to develop the greatest moments of my life is try to develop what 
others have put into writing. And one of them is the book. It's I'm not even sure it's fully out, but I was gifted it. And it's the strategies for entrepreneurs in the eight figure lifestyle. And interesting part about that was one of the strategies I should have already adopted, but it's literally when it comes to mind, put it in your calendar right away. Like massage is going to happen at five o'clock on Monday when I get back from X, Y, or Z. And you just said the perfect piece of what the eight figure income people do, they schedule everything is on that calendar from meeting with their wife for dinner to getting a checkup to having a moment to read the Wall Street Journal. Literally, they like I looked at this one plan that this man does and I mean, it's as simple as I'm walking the dog from 7.15 to 7.30. I'm reading the New York Times from 7.30 to 7.45. I have breakfast from 7.45 to 8. And it kind of made my head blow up. But then I thought, right, you know what? If you don't, someone steals that time. Exactly. Well, speaking of stealing time, I have just don't want to take too much of your time. I am so grateful for this conversation. You and I can probably talk for hours. We need to do a part two pick up on some other things because I'm really excited to hear about your new, the Women's Congress. That just sounds amazing. Any last things you read? You do like I do. I read on the plane. I try to read a book. I mean, I read a chapter of a book every day. That's part of what I do. Give me just a, a tidbit of something that somebody's either told you or you've just kind of figured out that you could just pass on to everybody out there. I'm going to give you a Sherryism. It's kind of like the Yogi Berry. It's what I classify as when Sherry <laughs> it. it's I write it in. So, you know, Charlie Tremendous Jones was a very impactful individual, and he did really help many people develop themselves in a successful manner. But I won't forget, and I'm going to alter his quote of the person you're going to become in five years. And as a physician, as a healthcare provider, as a person who's challenging the best ways to treat a community, the three things that resonated with his comments, which is the person you're going to become is through the books you read and the people you meet. And I'm going to adopt it to now having traveled so far and so wide is that if you can sit today and put together a plan that talks about the books you read, the ones that really inspire you that you want to read, don't feel obligated to read a business book because someone guilted you into it, but the books you read and the people that you meet are critical. And that's why the Chiropractors A-Game podcast is so important because you're going to meet a lot of great people on this podcast. But I'm going to add one last piece to it. And that for my chiropractic friends and family is the places you go. And it sounds like a Dr. Seuss book, but you have to find yourself in places that stretch you like crazy. And maybe it is like I had to swim Alcatraz twice just to say that I did it. And then the second time to say I was an idiot and <laughs> to learn more. <laughs> but That's it's, awesome. it's, it's a fun thing for you. If you could sit down just for a moment and think about where can I go that I can grow my own full potential of me and back to self-care, but building the person that you want to be, the places that you go, the people that you meet and the books that you read for me really sums it up. That's just amazing. Dr. Sherry McAllister, you are an amazing woman. I am so honored. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Chiropractor's A Game. And until next time, let's get cracking.